Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Us Americans over here have been having a really good time talking about the nuances of learning the French language, navigating culture differences, and finding love and work. But I think it's high time we added another layer to this season. In this episode, I'm happy to introduce to you a French business owner with a very interesting concept aimed at Anglophones in Paris and an American restaurant owner with French parents and a deep passion and love for French wines. What are their views regarding French food and culture? What is it like to not even think about any of that? Because whatever you do, it's the French way because you are in fact French. Take a listen and see how their thoughts line up with what you've been hearing the rest of us talk about all season. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited to have you here because we have been talking this season about France and drinking culture and kind of food culture. And I think we really needed a French person here. Everyone else has been an American in Paris or an American in France. So we kind of need to get the other side, the other point of view. You needed the French accents. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm the the accent and also just French. your yes, and also just your thoughts on us and what you really eat. Because we can look at it as an American in Paris. It can look one way to me because I'm kind of on the outside. But then yeah. it's completely different for you because you're on the inside. You go different places, eat different things, you know different customs. True. That's very true. So I want to start off first. Do you have a favorite food and wine or food and drink pairing that you just love to eat and drink together? Well, while I was thinking about this post, this podcast, I had a chat with my husband and we I was asking him the question because I, did, I don't really know. I think here in France, we eat food and we will have wine without even thinking about it. So it, that's why I was like, are we doing something special or like, I, I don't really know. So all I got for my answers are like, during summer, we drink rosé, which is completely true that you can drink rosé with absolutely uh, almost everything. But I know that what we like doing is now for New Year, we have um, a raclette and we have some white wine. And my, the white wine I really, really like is Chablis. That's okay. that's the one I really like. It's not nothing really really fancy, but that's that's the one. But it's delicious. It's it's, it's delicious. delicious. 
It's delicious. And I'm so glad you mentioned Rocklet one. And also very glad that you had this discussion with your husband to the point you're like, well, wait, a pairing. Like you don't just eat and you don't just drink because that is very indicative of French culture. You don't stress about it. Whereas Americans do, we're like, okay, I'm having this for dinner tonight. What wine should I have? What wine should I, you know, drink? Oh, what would make it perfect? But you just go to the shop. You're like, well, I like this wine and I want to eat this for dinner. And so you just do it. I think it's, um, I don't know if it's the French culture, to be honest, but I think it's you learn with your parents when you are a bit older and you are allowed to, tr to drink wine and you just taste. Um, and then you learn a bit more about wine. And I know that, for example, my dad has a cellar and he will know exactly what to match with like the food he's preparing. And, and it's almost like a ritual where before having dinner, he will go to the cellar and he will look at all the bottles and he will be like, mm, I'm going to pick this one. Um, so I guess he knows um, the older you get, the, mm -hmm. I think it's just like because you taste, of course, like so many wine um, during your life and everything. And then you have your own taste and you know what you like and, and what's good with food. But it's for now, I don't have any cellar. I'm not at that point. <laughs> not yet. I would not prefer yet. to have a walking wardrobe. Right. <laughs> right. First things first. We would like the walk-in wardrobe. That's, yeah. that's, get yeah, me some that's... shoes and then we will get the wine. <laughs> shoes and bags. And then we can talk about And that. then the wine. But yeah, I guess it's something that I will also want to have maybe when I'm older, when I will have maybe more time to appreciate and more skills and knowledge about about wine but I uh, yes definitely when here in France we don't really overstress about it it's like okay um we have meat so we have red wine um we can have like as I said raclette so we have um, white wine if we have dessert and we want to um to pair that with wine or so we think about it so it's not like something huge it's more yeah you know when you are going to the shop you know what you like, you know what's mm -hmm. good, you know what's not good. You mentioned raclette, which is a completely French thing. Oh, Can yeah. you please explain to us raclette and kind of like, because uh, it, it's, it, it's seasonal. It's, you don't do raclette all year. It's special raclette times. Can you explain that to us? Yes. Well, raclette is definitely seasonal. It's something you do uh, when it's really cold outside. So it's more like for winter. It's definitely a winter dish. I had a friend over from London. And I, when, say my husband, when I said, oh, Jenny, she's coming next week. And he was like, oh, we need to do a raclette. We need to do a raclette. And I was like, oh, yes, that's definitely true. Yes, let's do a raclette. And she absolutely enjoyed it. And I said, have you had a raclette before? And she remembered that one day my dad, because I used to live in London, my dad came to visit us and he came with like cheese and charcuterie and everything. So we had a raclette in London. So that was just absolutely amazing because obviously me being French, I moved to London with my raclette machine. I couldn't go there with my, without it. I had to have my raclette machine in my bag on the train. Um, so raclette is a dish that we, we need to have a special machine for it. Um, I know everyone has like, well, the normal one, I would say, is you have charcuterie, so you can have ham, uh, saucisson, um, different type of ham and, and saucisson, and you have potatoes and you have the, the raclette cheese. Um, and then you bake 
the cheese, you put the bake on like a small pan in the machine. And then you one once it's like cooked, you put that on the potatoes. And what I really like doing is like, I cut absolutely everything. That's my technique. I cut absolutely a piece of everything. And I prepare the perfect fork with a bit of everything in it with like pickles. That's the thing you need to add. And, and then you have the perfect, uh, the perfect boucher. <laughs> well, the perfect fork would be a little potato. Um, yeah, and then the saucisson yeah, and then the melty raclette yeah. cheese. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. yeah, and for New Year with my husband, we had a, like a raclette just with truffle, <gasps> truffle cheese, truffle ham, truffle uh, saucisson, truffle everything. And my daughter, the oldest one who is two, two years old, she loves truffle already. <laughs> already, <laughs> she, huh? Yeah. Okay. She's like, yeah, the other day she had like pasta with like truffle and um, well, ham with like truffle. And she was like, yeah, fine by me. I love it. Train them up right when they are young. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Are there any other food dishes or other things that you can think of that are like winter specific like that for France? Well, I would say boeuf bourguignon because it's something that you also eat. Yeah. During winter, it's like a kind of like a meal that you share. It's like one thing that, um, I don't know if it's sound, going to sound good or bad to say that, but that your mom prepared. My dad is doing it for us, but it's just like um, the parents are doing. And it's just like, yes, you have this big plate of like bourguignon that's cooking and cooking for hours and hours and the, the meat and everything. And you put some red wine in it. Um, so I would say boeuf bourguignon is also one. Well, blanquette de veau, we have, I think it's like big meal with uh, sauce and of course different vegetables, but like sauce and, and, and meat, something like really heavy you don't want to eat when it's like 30 degrees outside. And are these more so for like a family gathering or friends? Oh, everyone. Well, okay. The raclette, absolutely with everyone, because the raclette is, you don't have to do anything. You just- Yeah, raclette is fun and easy. It's just like, that's the easy one. It's like, what do, what do we have? Uh, let's have a raclette. It's like, oh yes, let's have a raclette. And it's funny because um, I feel like now with social media, when you have your first raclette of the year, you share the picture and you are like, this is the first one. Yes. The first of like many, but you share it with everyone saying like, this season is open. So it's just like really, really cultural, like, yes, let's have a reckless. Um, but then, yes, of, of course, I guess you will have that with your family, um, like for dinner, but also like on the Sunday for lunchtime, um, but also with friends. Like you can definitely have um, a big meal with friends on the Sunday, like um, like, a sun- that, like a Sunday roast uh, in the UK, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just wondering, were there any kind of, uh, dishes or anything that you're like oh well this is what you have with your family I guess like a Sunday roast you're usually with your family yeah. and you have the roast with um with them and do that yeah we will have like some beef and uh, and vegetables nothing like really crazy or fancy or anything but this is what we will eat all together to have like a good moment like sitting at the table it's I think I don't know well to be honest I don't know if it's something really really French but I know I was really struggling with that um when I was younger I just hated it because you know that you're gonna spend hours and hours 
sitting at the table and when you are younger you don't just only want to do that you are like I want to be somewhere else but then when you are getting older then you realize like oh, okay we've been here for three hours like how come am I old now it's just like it, it's just like yes you you like spending time sitting at the table having dinner or lunch and just enjoying food and and good company I think that's when you grow older that's something you really like and you really enjoy and I feel like now when I taste something good when I eat something good I'm like oh what's the recipe it's just like what's your secret you are trying to get information and just to try to learn and and try to recreate that and it's it's more like yes you ask questions and you try to recreate the the recipe and when you ask someone for a recipe there is always like oh I don't know I just like go with the flow and I just I put a bit of this and a bit of that and when you do it it's definitely not <laughs> the same and yet different tastes and you're like mm, no it didn't work okay I will try again. Since I have you here an authentic French person yes tell me about a real French charcuterie board. Um, I ask that because have you seen on Pinterest and on Instagram these boards that I have to admit that they're largely American, that, that are piled full of cheese and meat that you don't see a corner of the board. It's just fully piled, full of things. Is that a true French board? Is that the way it is really done? So are you talking about grazing tables? Is it the, the name or? Yeah, like a cheese plate or a planche here. A planche. Yeah, well, it's, no, I wouldn't say that it's completely French. I would say it's more, like, I don't know if it's American or, but it's definitely not from France. It's, yeah, you still need to see the board. Um, and you need, so the perfect one will be, um, to have pickles, that's one thing. Um, but to have some ham and, and some saucisson, I guess it's it's difficult to use, uh, like to say exactly what, but you need to have um, smoked ham, for example, that's that's really good and different type of um, of meat. Um, what you have, will have here in, in restaurants is the platter and you will have all just charcuterie or char charcuterie and cheese. Um, so you can share, so you can pick what, what you really like. Um, you can also have sometimes butter, so you can have some bread, uh, because we love bread. That's, that's also something French. But yeah, I guess the, the French one won't be with like a big pile of like food. It will be just the best of a bit of everything. Now let's get more into you. I mentioned that you were French. Tell us who you are and what you do. Right, so I am 36 now. As I said, I am a mom of two. So Ella is two and Kelly, she is going to turn 11 months. So I used to live in London. I lived there for seven years. I moved to London because I wanted to practice my English. Started as a waitress where I was serving wine and alcohol and I absolutely loved it but then I made my way up in London and I worked in marketing events and PR I came back here in Paris for a job it was supposed to be for a year but then uh, COVID arrived um, I got well I got pregnant 
my contract ended up and I was supposed to, to renew my contract, but COVID started. So then um, I decided to have a second baby. And um, while I was pregnant with Kelly, I started to think again about gourmet cinema. So gourmet cinema is something I created in London. Um, and the concept is that I am uh, going to people's houses and I organize a dinner. It can be a dinner or it can be a lunch. Uh, but I'm working with a private chef and we organize, um, well, you, he or she will cook the food and the food will be inspired by a movie or will be exactly the same than the movie. So for example, um, Julie and Julia, which is an American movie. So you have the Boeuf Bourguignon. Um, so let's say that people are uh, booking for this. So um, I will arrive with, I bring all the plates. I bring actually everything for the table. Um, apart from the glasses because I can break everything um but <laughs> so apart from that I bring absolutely everything so um the chef will prepare as much um as he or she can in front of the guest so that will be a bit of like an animation and when um so when people arrive they have a welcome drink and then they have um uh, canapes, starter, main and dessert and then they have a snack to watch in front of the film um, a waitress is there, so the service, it's kind of like having a restaurant at home, really. It's like the chef is cooking in front of you, someone is there for the service, you don't have to, to do anything. Uh, we bring everything, the food is from the market, um, organic and everything. We work just with amazing food, and once the people are done with the, with the food, they will watch the film. So I have different films. I have um, 16 films. So I do obviously for kids um, with Ratatouille and um, Lady and the Tramp. And for adults, I have uh, Julia and Julia. I have the film Chef. I absolutely love this film. Um, but I also have French films like Amélie Poulain. I have uh, La Belle Époque. I don't know if you saw that movie, but it's a really good. It's a, an amazing movie. So yeah, so that's what I offer. How did you come up with the idea to do it? Someone asked me uh, this question already, and I don't really know. I think it was one day on my on my sofa, and I was like, I love food, I love movie, what can I do? Um, at that time, I was working on film premieres in London, and I absolutely love, I love movies, but I love the atmosphere on a premiere, and like everything, the buzz that's coming I love the buzz around the movie, like everything you can do to promote the movie. That's that's my thing. But then I also had because, yeah, well, actually, at that time I was single and I was on Bumble, the dating app, and they were launching the bubble business thing and um, in London. I don't know if it's the same in Paris or in the US, but at least in London, they were doing that. And um, I got invited to an event and a private chef was there and um, she was cooking in front of us. So it was kind of like a dating thing, a speed dating thing, but you were having some food, but you were also talking about business and a mix of absolutely everything. And I really, I remember going home and being like, that's really cool. That was the first time that I had a chef cooking in front of me and I could see really what was going on in the kitchen. And I saw that was really cool. And I thought, okay, I love food. I love film, what can I do? And then I came up with this idea and then I developed it. And for example, I did um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in a nice cream shop that for kids, that was really cool. So I think there is something to do 
with food, but what I want to develop here um, in Paris now, because this is where I am for now, but it's to have, my, my dream would be to have an event where you go and see a movie, but you experience it. It's like um, an immersive experience where you can taste some, some stuff, you can hear, you can watch. It's just like playing on the five, how do you say that in English? Five songs? The five senses. Mm -hmm. Five senses, obviously. So that's that's what I will definitely want to, to create. But because of the pandemic and everything, of course I want to go big because it's like you go big or you go home. That's what I that's what I think. But um, for now, um, I know I will go big one day. But for now, with the pandemic and everything, I know it's it's amazing to be able to go and and meet people in their own place and and give them the chance because I know that some people oh they they cannot go to the restaurant because they don't have the vaccine or oh, they're scared of like going outside and being part of a group and everything, which I can definitely understand. So at least having it in your own home, you are safe and and nothing can happen really. So um, so that's why I thought it would be nice to, to do it during the pandemic. And it's funny because I did um, an event and it was early last year. So it was after the lockdown number two and before lockdown number three. Um, and the ladies, they were watching Grease and they were having so much fun. But listening to their, to their conversation, I hope they won't listen to the podcast because <laughs> they could be mad at me. But they were saying, oh my God, I put a bra today. Like just because they were going <laughs> to meet other people. Oh, I shaved my legs. I'm wearing a dress. It's just because people now, it's been two years now mm -hmm. and we've been home and and not seeing anyone saying it. Like I put some lipstick today and I was like, why not? Um, it's just because you don't really like now everything changed you are wearing a leggings like a t-shirt at least well this is what I'm doing but it's not like you don't really go out much or not as much as before so having this experience I feel like in your own home is something special and I really enjoy when I was having this lunch with these ladies they were so when I when the dinner is finished when the food is finished then I put the dvd I put everything the snack on the table and then I leave so the people can have fun they, they do whatever they want in front of the film um, and they were sending me videos of them being completely drunk dancing in front of the movie but having so much fun and to be honest that's that's why I created this because you because people can have fun because you like they can do whatever whatever they want and they had some good food they had good wine and they had good company and that's what gourmet cinema is trying to create i love it and it sounds super fun do you have a favorite movie that you have paired um dishes with something that you're just like oh this is my favorite well when you send me the list of questions when you said favorite movie i was like my favorite movie is top gun <laughs> i don't know what you would eat with top gun I will eat with Top Gun. I will eat Top Gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that answers that. <laughs> I really like Porn Star Martini. That's, that's my thing. That's my cocktail. It's just like I discovered that when I was in London with my friends, and I just absolutely love it. So if I'm watching um token i will have that as a cocktail but if i need to watch um 
I really like the film Julie and Julia with the birth bourguignon because then you have some good food, some red wine that will be really, really good. Um, but I also have the chef, the film Chef, sorry, and you can have a beer. They are drinking beer during like during the film and having a really cold, good beer. Like, like for now, I am on. I am trying to organize an event here in the 14 where I live. Um, so that will be a, an outdoor cinema uh, in front of the city hall. And I'm trying to think about the film I'm going to show and the food I'm going to prepare and the wine and everything. But I'm like, okay, it's going to be summer. People will be, hopefully it will be warm. So I need to, be, to get some beer. I need to prepare some, some beer for, for the event. Um, so I guess, yeah, to answer your question, um, the favorite movie, I it, it really depends. It really depends. Or we yeah. can go with the Top Gun and the Porn Star Martini. Yes, I'm going to write that, that down. Martini. That's going to be in all the social posts. <laughs> Top Gun, Porn Star Martini. Yes or no? Estelle Good. said it first. Yes. Well, Estelle, thank you so much. Where can we find out about you and the next events? So the website is gourmetcinema.com. I'm on social media, Instagram and Facebook. And you can reach me. People can reach me. Um, on, on the platform send me an email i'm always happy to chat i can go some to watch togan with someone or get some wine with someone or coffee or anything and just yeah. talk about french food and and anything i love it well thank you so much we got the scoop on french food a few traditions a little bit about the drink culture and as it goes with food we talked about a planche and porn star martinis i think yes. we covered everything so- before we end this podcast, I had a couple of questions for you. Okay. All right. Yes. Questions for me. Yes. I love it. <laughs> because you, so you are American and you live in France, but do you know, so I have words in French and I have the translation in English. What do you want me to do? Do you, do I say it in French and you tell me in English or do I say it in English and you tell me in French? Oh no, you say it in French because we got to get your accent in there. You say it in French <laughs> and I'll tell you in English. Okay. Okay. A very, well, a really, easy I get this right. wine. A, a really easy one. Sorry. What's le vin? The wine. The wine. Okay. Okay. Wine. Le pinard. There is a bar that I like that's called that. Oh, okay. It's not. No, it's not duck, because that's canard. A duck. No, that's canard. Right, that's canard. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> right. That... Oh, I don't know what pinard It's It's slang for wine. No, okay, that's why the wine bars call that. That makes yes. sense. Well, you learned something. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. Okay, le vin blanc. Oh, white wine. White, white wine. wine. Le vin rouge. Red wine. I learned these early on before I could, I said, bonjour, bonsoir, le vin rouge, s'il vous plaît. Like that's how I learned French. Good. And le rosé? Ah, uh, rosé. The pink one. Mm-hmm. The pink one. Um, Chateau. What's a chateau? Chateau, castle. Yeah. Or it could be where the wine is uh, from. So some of them are like bottled at the chateau. Yeah. So it's more like a vineyard. Yes. Like we have Chateau Bourgogne or, um, yes. Um, Le cépage? That's the blend. So the different grapes that go into the wine. Yes, that's good, good. Um, Un vignoble? The winemaker. No, le vignoble. The vineyard. 
Yeah, the vineyard. The yes. vineyard. Okay, vineyard home is the winemaker. Yes, yes. Is the, Okay, got really it. Okay, good, really good. Okay, really good. Um, une cave, the cellar. Yes. Well done. Well done. That's that was good. Oh, and I'm leaving all the same mistakes in that. That fantastic. Yes. Yes. For that. Yes. All right. And, and I learned something. So let me. Yes, that's good. And well, I, I was doing some research um, on wine and everything else. So that was interesting to say that France produces seven to eight billion bottles of wine per year, which is that's the equivalent of 20% of the world's uh, production of wine. Thinking of the size of France, yes, yeah. that is a lot. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And there is. Um, 293 original appellations in France. I thought that was interesting. That's that a is. lot. Yeah, that is a lot. And I think, and that's more than when I used to study that. So new people are getting AOCs and then some people are yes, getting out of yes. AOCs. So. Yes, yeah. and AOCs is not about the quality, it's more about the, the region and where it, it's from. Yes, being very specific of where it's from. Yes. Yeah, and we don't really have an AOC system in the States. We have AVAs. And so American viticulture, viticultural area, not as strict, but it does kind of designate, okay, if it has this name, it must be this percent of this grape. And last question, what's your favorite wine? Hmm. So today, because it's cold and winter, it's definitely a red. Southern Rome, so probably Chateauneuf du Pape. Okay, uh, that's my dad's favorite wine. Yeah, that's a really good one. It never disappoints. It's not a secret that France loves cheese and wine, so not surprising that an entire culture revolves around the consumption of these two great gifts to the culinary world. Come and discover one of the best parts of French culture with the cheese and wine class or a wine tasting class. Join my classes. They're a great opportunity to experience the French terroir. During these two-hour classes, you'll sample some of the finest cheeses and finest wines, learn the techniques and language of cheese tasting and wine tasting, and also the concept of terroir. You'll spend a great evening in a relaxed atmosphere with beautiful surroundings in the heart of Montmartre with me at Cooking with Class Cooking School and get a great head start to fully understand and appreciate our love for French cheese and wine and help you approach them with greater confidence. Visit cookingwithclass.com, C-O-O-K-N-W-I-T-H-C-L-A-S-S, and search Paris Classes for more information or to book your date. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to just jump right into it. Can you tell me who you are and what you do? Yes, uh, my name is uh, Yannick Benjamin from uh, New York City, and I am the uh, co-founder of a restaurant called Contento Restaurant, located right in the heart of East Harlem on 88 East 111th Street. And you are a little bit into wine, you'd say? Yes, um, you know, my whole entire career has been based around wine and hospitality. 
Um, my entire family uh, worked in the hospitality industry. I followed in their footsteps. And so naturally, um, unsurprising that I eventually opened and, and got into opening my own restaurant. Um, but um, I started working as a sommelier at a very young age, um, about 19 years old. I started taking wine classes at the age of 17. Uh, my mother's from Bordeaux, so um, was always involved in this world. Okay, now mother from Bordeaux, that's interesting. Is that something that kind of like you started even maybe tasting wine and doing wine kind of activities before even you got into a formula? Well, you know, interestingly enough, my dad is from the north of France. So he's from uh, La Bretagne, Brittany, mm -hmm. and um, he comes from an agricultural family. So, you know, he had a sister that had a fairly big farm. He himself grew up on a farm. So when I spent my summers there, I spent, I was on the farm with my grandmother. So there was certainly this connection to the land that I always had, especially growing up as a kid in New York City it was the complete opposite. And my mother is right from the, she's, she's right in the heart of the Midok. So, you know, you were surrounded by vines. It was just part of that culture. And um, oftentimes I would drive to these wineries whether it was with my uncle or with my mom and dad to pick up some wines for dinner that evening. And I just love that smell of the cellar, the, the fermentation. Um, but I didn't really fully understand how transcending wine could be at a young age. I mean, that didn't come on, that didn't happen till later on, but I loved the aspect of, of what it took to make wine and the people behind it. Okay, so you got at a young age uh, more of the culture of it before you even got into the tasting aspect of it, which I find very interesting because some people do it the other way around. Um, what could you say is like a big culture difference between America and France? Um, and then we'll move into some others. Being that my mother is from Bordeaux, um, they're very territorial. And that, I think that's something that could be applicable to all regions in, in Europe. Um, if you go to Piedmont, most of the time, the wines that they're drinking are from their region or even from a specific subregion. And the same really applies to Bordeaux, for sure. You know, they're very prideful of their wines and of their region. So um, finding wines from Cosi Avintage or Saint-Joseph in Bordeaux, it's certainly challenging. Um, now, more and more, you'll see really cool natural wine bars in the city of Bordeaux. There's a really good food scene, but that didn't really happen. Um, and that didn't really exist 10, 15 years ago. Um, and certainly there's more of an open mind. So that's the, that's the culture of it. But I would certainly say that, um, you know, it was very natural. So it wasn't as if uh, they had these long conversations about who the producer was. It was just the same way, like uh, if you and I went to a restaurant and there was water on the table, there was wine on the table. It was just a natural ingredient and part of the, the actual table, whether it was lunch or for dinner. Do you think that part of French culture and French wine could ever be adapted in America? That would ever be like a thing, like how we always have ketchup on the table, perhaps we would have wine on the table uh, like that. I certainly think that it um, it's happening more and more for sure. Um, there was a very interesting article 
um, written by Eric, I think it was Eric Asimov um, on the New York Times about um, the consumption of uh, millennials um, is certainly lower. Um, and I think VinePair, um, you know, pretty famous uh, platform, digital platform that focuses on the beverage industry here in the United States, I had a long discussion on one of their podcasts that there's just so many options, you know, um, you know, hard seltzer um, is quite popular. Beer is quite popular. Uh, the spirits industry does a really good job um, about cultivating that millennial uh, culture. Um, but I do think that, you know, eventually people, as they get older, they want to shift to something um, that might transcend them, that might be lower in alcohol as well. Um, so I do think that slowly but surely, you do see more people having a glass of wine for dinner or for lunch, whether they're going out to a restaurant or whether they're at home. And on top of that, I think, you know, modern you know, modern technology, things like Coravan have allowed people to not commit to a whole bottle and just be able to pour a glass of wine for themselves. But I do think, again, it's really more about what demographics are we talking about? That does make a huge difference because uh, um, uh, you mentioned the different options they have as far as drinks go. I also think that the younger generation is becoming a little more focused on packaging as well. And they want things in a can or the smaller bottles or um, a box. And that isn't necessarily something that they're really, they're doing that in France, but I'm not sure if that will ever happen in a large way. Well, I do agree with everything you just said. I, I mean, I think packaging has a lot to do with it. I think um, one of the great successes that I think natural wines have, if you look at their labels, they're very eye-catching. And I think that um, in general, especially from the retail perspective, that people a lot of times make a decision on what they're going to drink based on the label itself. And so hopefully a lot of other major wine companies pick up on that. And I think that it's all about the packaging. I think that, you know, um, you know, we'll talk about a, a wine in a can um, or it's really a spritzer, I guess, whatever you want to call it. But like Ramona, Ramona is very eye catching. It's got beautiful, vibrant colors, um, things of that nature. And then other natural wine labels, I think, just do a really good job on that. Um, and I think if we can continue to do that and fully understand the segment of who we're trying to attract, then we're going to be really successful. But if we continue on with like these big, heavy, gaudy bottles and, you know, these, I don't know, just tacky labels, millennials aren't going to really jump on it or just people in general for that matter. Working largely with French wine, what is like a common question that you get or like the most popular question that you get about uh, French wine in your restaurants or just life? I think just in general, um, people are more interested um, in finding out that the, the most common question is, are they organic? Are they farming sustainably? Um, interesting questions like that. And I think the restaurant that, that I've created um, with the wine list, um, people are also very adventurous. They want to find out who's the latest avant-garde producer in France. 
some exciting new region. They're, they're willing to explore places like the Savoie, like Jura, um, you know, interesting grapes, you know, like Pinot Doni in the Loire Valley. Um, so those things of that nature, um, even for example, when we have Bordeaux, a lot of times we don't carry Bordeaux. That's part of the Grand Cru classification of either 1855 or the Saint-Emilion classification. But there's all these wonderful producers in Bordeaux um, that we often forget about, but especially from uh, these, this appellation called the Côte de Bordeaux. So you have Côte de Bordeaux Franc and Cadillac and uh, Côte de Bourg. And so a lot of fun producers like that. So I think people are very interested in that. And they also offer incredible value and high quality. So I think that's what people are really looking for. Something authentic, something that 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 is you know, having a social and environmental impact. That's interesting because I was not thinking that that would be the answer. So it's interesting to have a view of uh, what Americans are like in France, but then also what Americans uh, drink as related to French wine or the questions they ask. It's uh, kind of a different thing. So very, very interesting. I'm glad you're here and we're talking about this. I want to ask about champagne and sparkling wine in general. Yes. Is that still like a big thing? Are people still um, with the larger champagne houses and really just focused on drinking those? Or are um, some people mm. more open and interested in growing champagnes? Yes. Well, first off, here in New York City, I could speak about um, people, particularly those that work in the industry, whether it's in retail or sommeliers that work in restaurants, go absolutely gaga for that category of farmer's fizz. Farmer's fizz being smaller producers that grow their own grapes, unlike the bigger houses who buy their grapes. So farmer fizz, very, very uh, popular amongst the industry here in New York City, without a doubt. But amongst the consumer, uh, you know, champagne, gosh, you know, it's such a, it's such an incredible product and it goes well with so many different uh, food ingredients, whether it's Southeastern, you know, uh, Asian cuisine, uh, barbecue, you know, obviously Western European cuisine, you name it, it's, it's always available. It's got those bubbles, it's got acidity, it's got creamy texture. So incredibly popular. We have a very extensive uh, uh, grower champagne list at Contento that does really well. And uh, I think it's quite popular for sure. And we, we were very lucky that we have access to those producers here in New York. Okay. Changing uh, gear slightly, do you have a favorite like wine tradition, like something that you did with your family surrounding wine or something now that you do at the restaurant or with friends? Well, I don't know if it's a tradition, but I will say that um, I am very obsessed and when I'm, whenever I'm drinking a bottle of red wine at home, even if, you know, if it's a couple of years, you know, old, but I mean, or whatever the case is, I always like to decant my red wine and I always like to drink it cellar temperature, which is about 55 degrees. Okay. That is good to know. And you feel like that, uh, the decanting plus the proper temperature, that is the ideal way yes. for maximum enjoyment. You know, I can't speak for everybody else. You know, people can do whatever they want. Once they buy that bottle of wine, it's their bottle. But I can speak for myself. You know, I love nothing more than going to a cellar and visiting a producer. And I just think their wines taste so much better because they're always at that temperature of 55 degrees, uh, cellar temperature. 
And that's how I like to drink my wines. And I like, I think that when you, you know, you decant the wine, that oxygen just definitely brings out layers and complexities to that wine, especially for more full-bodied red wines and younger red wines too, especially. Well, so for my red wine this evening, I'll make sure I serve it proper temperature and decant uh -huh. uh, a little bit. I'll make sure I do that. Yes. Um, last question for you. Yes. Do you have a favorite food and wine pairing? Like something that you just, this is the, you know, your ultimate favorite, whether it makes sense or not. Well, I'll tell you currently, like the, the, the pairing that I like to, to, to play with at the restaurant, we have a duck liver mousse with a uh, chicha morada gelée on top of it. So it's a play on French technique. French ingredients that meets Peru. So we have a lot of Peruvian based dishes at Contento Restaurant because the chef himself is Peruvian. Uh, the chicha morada is a liquefied uh, purple corn gelée. And on the side, we have uh, focaccia bread that's absolutely delicious, made from a bakery that we get. And so I love that dish and people love it. And the duck liver mousse, you know, typically you would think that it's heavy and, and and actually, it's just very airy and, and light body, but so complex and just so beautiful. And believe it or not, I pair it with a cider, a pear cider from Normandy, from a wonderful producer called Eric Bordelais. And Eric Bordelais was the uh, former sommelier uh, at one of my favorite restaurants in the world and my favorite chefs in the world, Arpege. Um, the chef is Alain Passard, and he worked there for a very long time. He went back to Normandy, back to his uh, family's orchards, and really started vinifying and took on that philosophy as a the same way that vignerons do with wine. And he applied that to uh, his pear and apple orchards. And this apple cider, I mean, sorry, pear cider, just absolutely, I think, really br brings out the magic of this dish and brings out the beauty of this beverage. And I love pear cider and I love what he does. And uh, it's really eye-opening for people when they, they get this uh, pairing. And it does really well because there's, there's a little seal too to the uh, pear cider. So it really cuts through the fattiness. It does have a little sweetness to go with the sweeting, sweetness of the dish itself. So from a, a molecular composition point of view, it, they both go really well together. Wow, it sounds amazing. So if I ever find myself, well, one, back in America, and two, in yes, New York, yes. uh, hopefully that dish is uh, still on the menu so I can try that pairing together. We would be honored to have you, please. Wonderful. So thank you so much for your time today. Before I let you go, can you tell us where we can find you uh, on social oh, media pleasure. and where we can find your restaurant? Yes, well, thank you so much. Um, you can find me on social media at, at Yannick Benjamin, Y-A-N-N-I-C-K, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N. -N. The restaurant is at Contento NYC as well. And then finally, the website is ContentoNYC.com. Um, and if you ever want reservations, have issues making a reservation, just reach out to me via Instagram, DM me, and I will respond as soon as possible. Perfect. All right. Thank you. y'all just hear that? Estelle gave me a pop quiz, y'all. How do you think I did? But you see how understanding the language is such an important part of life here. Also, how ingrained food and wine culture is at an early age. 
They know and do certain things because they saw their parents do it. They were raised that way and now they live it. It's like second nature. Thank you so much for the lessons, Estelle and Yannick, and also for making me a little hungry. Hmm, maybe I'll mix myself up a porn star martini while I figure out what to eat. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Wine School Dropout. This podcast was produced by Studio Ochinta and hosted by me, Tanisha Townsend. Our executive producer is Lori Martinez, sound design and production by Luis Lopez and Kiara Santella. Production coordination by Catalina Oyos. Our theme was done by Gabrielle DeMasso. Music is by Makai Beats. Our art is by Tiffany DeLoon. Follow us at Wine School Dropout on Instagram. If you'd like the show, Tell a friend about it and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sit back, relax, and have a glass. What's the one thing you've never told anyone? People just like you tell all in a podcast called The Secret Room. If you're a true story fan and you can't get enough of people's most intimate dreams, desires, and shame, you will love The Secret Room like Mila's deathbed confession that her daughter's absent father is a movie star, or Jen's secret love affair with the man on death row, or the way Joey falls in erotic love with inanimate objects. People all around you carry the most amazing secrets, and you're invited to the secret room for a front row seat to spectacular stories that will touch you, jar you, and amaze you. Search for The Secret Room a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.